jocks in the pool That is not cool, I need the tools Take me to school, feet first Into this league, me first That cannot be, under the underdog Monica G Feeling a whole lot better suddenly I get in with it, win it again You're one and two in the bag and I'm going for three That is the beat down, got her the best So I keep now, y'all tread in water for weeks Now, now I'm the shark so I eat Now, look, I am not sorry I understood the pun from which I started And never getting these drafts is cathartic, so Dynasty underdog bite down Up at the day and the night now Easy as flying a kite now Come take a look at it right now Dynasty underdog bite down Up at the day and the night now Easy as flying a kite now Come take a look at it right now What's going on? Yo. Hey, what's going on, what Katie? What is going on? I've been doing my own prep. I've been getting, I've been getting ready on my own. It's, it's truly... It's truly not the same. <laughs> However, it's vodka with um, not Sprite. What's the other one? Yeah, it's so. Oh, that, that's it's, that's more my style anyway. I like that. And you can't tell by All looking right. how much is vodka and how much is Sierra Mist. <laughs> that's the beauty that's the way of to do it. <laughs> so wait, are you a Patriots fan? Did I not know this? <laughs> you did not know that. I oh am. my goodness. That's, Bill, you that's, finally get one of your own on here. I, I know. I, I feel like I've never had one of my own on here. That's amazing. All right. Great. I grew up in Vermont and I moved to Texas in 2005. So I have always followed the Patriots and the Cowboys because I grew up, I was a kid in the seventies. And uh, so they were on my TV more than the Patriots. I didn't get to go see a Patriots game until after when I was in college and then after college, my boss had season tickets and I would buy some from him. I got to go to a Super Bowl. The only Super Bowl I've been to was Cowboys against the Bills, 93 season, Emmett Smith's holdout year. And I bought the tickets at face value in August. They had just won it the year before. So going back to back was unheard of back then. But I bought the tickets for 175 bucks a piece. My what? boss's brother, my boss's brother-in-law worked for the NFL doing all the Pro Bowl arrangements. He had a block of 10 on the 50-yard line, 30 rows up. I said, I'll buy two tickets. I don't care if it's the Cowboys. I'm going to the Super Bowl. It was in Atlanta, Georgia. I got a friend that lived in Marietta, just north. So I got a free week of staying at my friend's house. I took her husband to the game with me because she didn't like football. And we had a blast. <laughs> and I threw a pro-size football 45 yards middle of target and won a champion sweatshirt the guy when he handed me the football he turned away because it's a girl <laughs> yeah i hit the target dead center and then he turned back <laughs> and, he, and i'm like he's like what and i said i want my sweatshirt he goes for what i said i hit the target he goes no you didn't i said you weren't even looking ask and everybody in line they were like no she did she did she got it look the football's up there it's in the net that's farther than i could throw <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, it was, it was dead center of the target, 45 yards, and, and he had to give me the sweatshirt. He was he he was perplexed. I was <laughs> like, you should have watched it, dude. It would have made your day. <laughs> one, of the, one of the most impressive parts of that story is the $175 tickets. Like, that is unheard of these <laughs> days. Can you imagine? Oh, man. Oh, my goodness. Wow, that's great. Great way to start the show. I love it. And so... I get the Patriots fan. You get the the Cowboys fan. Your eyes, so it's it's almost perfect here. Like, yeah, now we just need a Dolphin fan, and I'm good. Yeah, we'll we'll yeah, find we'll, one. We'll, we'll leave you out for right now, Josh. We're okay. <laughs> and 
I had someone offer to buy my tickets for a thousand dollars, I'm like, no, this is a once in a lifetime. I was, yeah, chance. you can't, you can't. If you're a football fan, like you know, you I, there, there's not a good chance I ever make it to one. You know what I mean? It's it. You'd, I'd be lucky if I if, and to if have I was. one of my two favorite teams there, and they won it. And what was even cooler, I was a football coach at the time. I was in Maine. I was coaching South Portland football. They were fifth and sixth graders. And uh, they were all absolutely nuts for the Cowboys because they were, even in the 90s, I mean, Troy Aikman and uh, Michael Irvin, Emmett Smith, all those guys, they were heroes mm -hmm. to these guys. And they knew I loved the Cowboys. I was, and, and we were the South Portland Cowboys. So they, they loved it even more. And um, where was I going? With this? <laughs> I, I lost my train of thought. I need more buttons. <laughs> how long did you, how long did you coach for? 14 years. Wow. Wow. That's a lot of experience. Yeah. Baseball, basketball, and football. I coached and I refereed all three. That's awesome. Win any championships? Yeah, oh, yeah. Heck yeah. <laughs> She's like, all of course, of course you did. <laughs> I mean, that's what I expected, but I just wanted to make sure. My last, my last, the boys' basketball was middle school and it was a paid gig, seventh and eighth grade middle school boys, and sometimes sixth graders, if they were that talented, they could make the team. My team went undefeated and they went on to win three out of four state championships in high school, that same core of kids. And one of them ended up going to play pro ball in Europe. And the other one ended up, two of them ended up playing pro ball in Europe. That's incredible. That, that, that is, is cool. pretty cool that to see. Really cool. Watch somebody grow up that you, that you coached. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, Vermont, you don't think of NBA. When you think of Vermont, <laughs> no. But that they made a living, that they were able to go on and, Oh, and I wrote a rap song for them. I knew that they were going to finish undefeated. So at that time I was 40 years old and I wrote them a rap song that we sang on the bus on the way home and I gave them their part. And the, the, the name of the rap song was called Undefeated. And the last line, all the others is fake wannabes don't know what game to bring, but we're like Coca-Cola. We are the real thing. <laughs> oh, are, okay, are there any talents that K-Bar doesn't have? What is going on? Oh my God. That was great. Mess. Completely just taking over the show. Uh, I love this. So glad you're on. <laughs> awesome. So you're right. We might be replacing you. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's, it's all good. I'll give you the login details, man. I'm out. <laughs> All right, I'll get with the uh, formal stuff here real quick. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 32 of Dynasty Underdog. I'm your host, Ryan Dawkins. Joining with me, as always, are the guys from Any Given Pod, Billy Beeman and Josh Goldberg. How are you guys doing? Good, man. How are you? Excellent. Fantastic. Glad to get back. Uh, last week, we took a week off. I did try to do a solo pod, but I suck at that. So I was like, I'm going to save my energy for our special guest. You guys might know her as the diva of Devi, uh, Katie Flower. Welcome to the show, Katie. Thanks. It's really great to be here. I've been excited. Looked at the show sheet. Everything looks in order. I even put a couple of, I was erasing some stuff. I thought I was going to get you, Willie, but uh, <laughs> you ignored it. Like it was, I, I was trying to make it look like the computer was doing it by itself. Oh, great. <laughs> that was you. I thought it was one of them doing it. <laughs> no, that was me. That was me. That's hilarious. Oh my god. Yeah, goodness. I was trying to add a bullet point earlier and it kept like going back and erasing and erasing. I'm like, what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so yeah, she yeah. got me. All right, we gotta revoke access. <laughs> revoke access. <laughs> <laughs> 
we'll be in here on the next episode wondering why somebody's just erasing half of our work. We're like, what's going on? <laughs> well, yeah. Thanks for thanks for coming on. Um, obviously, you're a very polished podcaster. Some of the stuff you told us uh, pre-show about you being an announcer and calling games and stuff like it really comes through when you listen to you on the podcast on the UTH podcast and when you're on Rookie Fever anywhere else I listen to you like you're very very polished and us three here we've only been going at it for these guys about two years to me for less than a year now so we're, we're honored definitely to have you on so this is gonna be awesome I was I was honored for the invite I I love talking football and just talking in general so I am very happy to be here all right first and foremost can uh, you tell folks where they can find you if they don't know all right. If you don't know, I'm on Twitter at FF underscore Skylar 399. I'm on the weekly under the helmet podcast, as well as uh, many of the premium. The premium side is where we really get into strategy. That's where we really talk Debbie. Um, but it's worth the money if you are if you want to subscribe. And then I'm also on the off the rails podcast with Jeremy Brown and a bunch of other guys. It's uh, semi weekly, but we're trying to get it to be a regular gig. We got some graphics. It's really cool. And then I've been guesting on a lot of other people's podcasts. This COVID thing is driving me nuts. <laughs> Those that have kids, you think you're being driven nuts by your wife and kids. I'm, I'm sitting here all by myself. Can't go out. Can't do I Thank goodness for spring. And I can now go work in my garden, but I was going stir crazy. So being a guest on all of these other podcasts has been a great release. I'm a people person. I love people. I love to interact. And so I really have been missing it. Being able to be on others' podcasts has been just a blessing. It's been so much fun. So uh, you obviously you're big into Debbie. Uh, I just got into it last year. Billy and I, we co-own a team that's not very good. We should have like copied and pasted it here so you could like tell us what to do with it. But uh <laughs> How many years have you been playing Dynasty and Debbie opposed to like redraft? Like what's your history with fantasy football in general? Okay, so I started redraft in 2012. I started Dynasty. I found Dynasty through an ESPN mock draft. I Once I decided that I liked fantasy football enough, I started doing a lot of mock drafts in the offseason. And I started joining a ton of different redraft teams. But redraft, there's no trading you don't get to keep your players. You don't get to develop them. And then during an ESPN mock draft in the group chat, there was a dynasty commissioner looking for two owners for orphan teams that had been abandoned. And it was a free league. And I saw him talking to this guy about it. It sounded so interesting. And I said, if he doesn't take one of the teams, I'll take one. And even if he takes one, I'll let him have first choice of which team he wants. And then I'll take the other one. And you've got two new owners. And the guy's like, yeah, that's awesome. That's great. So join that. That was my first dynasty. Uh, I started like with anything. When I get into something, I get into it full tilt boogie. And I started <laughs> yeah. researching dynasty and some of the different strategies between that and redraft. So 2014, I started dynasty. And then the next year I found Debbie and I started in my first Debbie league. So I would say I probably had about a half dozen dynasty teams in year one. And then I, I expanded that pretty quickly to include about another dozen in year two, including my first two Debbie leagues were that, were that first year. So eight years for dynasty, seven years for Debbie. And then 
multiple teams. Right now I'm in about 40 different leagues. Um, some of them are best ball, so you don't have to start a lineup. They're all on MFL. So the nice thing is ah, I love yes, that. <laughs> you can use the search, find a player across all your leagues, see if they're available, go in and put a trade offer or go put them on the waiver wire, uh, put in a, a blind bid for them. There's a lot of ways that MFL makes it easy to manage multiple teams. Yes. So do you, have you tried sleeper? I do not like it. Don't get me started. I will mock draft. I I am in the mock drafts with uh, Finero, yeah. and I do that because I love mock drafts, and especially with industry people that know what they're doing. There's no robots. You get real time ADP or real time. This is where this person is going, and you get a much better feel for it. So whether you're in a startup draft and rookies are in there it gives you a much better feel for where the rookies will be trickling out. And when you got to make a move or sit back and wait and same thing with some rookie drafts are before the NFL draft. I'm in a couple of leagues where we draft our rookie draft before the NFL. So being in those mock drafts really helps get a finger on the pulse of a lot of different people and how they approach the different draft spots. Since you got into a lot of these leagues, you know, when Dynasty and Debbie were really, I, I think, first kind of coming on, are are any of them super flex or the majority of them like one QB or how did that work out? So when I first started in Dynasty, a lot of them were start one quarterback, but I, I even got into some IDP leagues. I got into super flex. I got into a triple flex Debbie league where you could start <laughs> three quarterbacks and I loved it. I really enjoyed it. But some of the leagues I left because the commissioner wasn't all that strong or, you know, it just wasn't that much fun. And I've never left a horrible team. I've left teams where they were flush with really good draft picks as well as a good young team. Uh, so even if I've left a league, it's been left in good shape. But it's it's mainly because it just wasn't the right fit. Or sometimes leagues have collapsed and the commissioner just didn't want to do it anymore and nobody else wanted to take over. And so the league died and those stink. It's like losing part of you. And and it it is what it is. But yeah, I've done some Debbie leagues that are all the way to 200 player maximum, which is maximum deep Debbie. I, that was my that's, next question is how deep Debbie do you go? So yeah, that's, I mean, those, that's are my, those are my favorite when you've got a taxi squad of 35 to 50 players <laughs> and you can have 200 maximum Debbie in, in the league. Now, if there's 112 coming back, that means you only have uh, 88 in the upcoming rookie draft, but it's still a combination rookie Debbie. So the value of the pick stays high and I'm in somewhere. It's just one Debbie player per person per year. And, you know, but I do, I now, if I'm starting a new startup, it's gotta be a super flex. And I've pretty much decided I don't like IDP. So I, I, have i'm not in any any oh, man we're we're you and me same <laughs> i tried it i tried it yeah I, I was successful at it i just didn't enjoy it 
it's too easy. I mean, you can always find a linebacker off the waiver wire. You can always yep. stream players. It, it didn't seem to me like that side of the football, you couldn't really get any trades done on that side of the football unless you gave away a player as, you know, I, I need to make this deal work. I'm doing my first IDP this year and I have, I'm very nervous about it, but excited at the same time. I just feel like the scoring hasn't been worked out quite right, which is kind of leads to what Katie's saying, where the values are, aren't really, they don't work out when you're trying to trade across offensive players and, and add them to deals. So, yeah. And even if I have played in leagues where they vary the scoring to make it so that those players are more needed but it's still so hard for people to there is no real ranking to help you decide the value yeah and it changes it changes so much quicker than any other you know the running backs and the wide receivers and quarterbacks just it's kind of a innate thing people know the values or seem to think they know the values (laughs) (laughs) i think that's the better one they seem to think yeah all right, so playing off the Debbie side of things, uh, I need a l- all the inside information I can get. What are some Debbie targets that your upcoming Debbie draft set? No, wait a second. You just added that. that, that that's no fair. <laughs> it was on here before we started. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was. It most certainly it was not. Uh, it he, he has to slide him. a quickie one in there somehow. Yeah, yeah. I, I see you, Snake. So are you talking about Deep Debbie targets, or are you talking about like the most obvious, like for 2022, 2023, like which class? Uh, yeah, next year's, well, two parts. So what are some uh, rookie targets that this year that should have been maybe Debbie targets last year that people missed that you're going to try to get as a 2021 rookie? And then also the, you know, high tier 2022 rookies. Okay, so... For me in Debbie, in case you hadn't ever heard, I do a lot of my own statistics on hit rate. And I've been studying, you know, what actually, which positions are the easiest ones to hit. And in Debbie, more so than even in rookie drafts, running backs have about a 35% hit rate. And a hit rate can mean multiple things. You sell them for something higher than what you paid. So if you paid a six round, Debbie pick for a guy that eventually becomes a first round rookie pick. That's a hit. Even if they end up busting in the NFL, they, they end up higher than where you drafted them. That's a hit. If you trade them for something more than what you paid for them, that's a hit. That's always hard to do because you want to keep the player through, you know, the duration you want them to start on your fantasy team. That's another definition of a hit they end up a starter for you on your fantasy team. It's very hard to hit a stud. And some people use Debbie and say, I only want the studs. If I don't hit a stud, I don't want my Debbie picks. And they throw them away like they're candy and I'm accepting, I'll take them. Um, So 35% hit rate for running backs, 23% for wide receivers, 12% for tight ends and 6% for quarterbacks. So even in a super flex, I'm going to stack up my quarterbacks in my startup draft and I'm going to fade the quarterback position in my Debbie drafts. There's always guys that fall through the cracks. Carson Wentz fell through the cracks. Trey Lance this year, 
uh, Zach Wilson, Mac Jones. None of them were Debbie targets. There's three quarterbacks in Superflex that your wow. rookie pick is now a lot more. Now, Trevor Lawrence has been gone for a long, long time, but you also probably had to burn an early pick for him, and he's the rookie 101, so that's cool. It's still a hit. Yeah. But you had to wait a long time to get there, and he could still bust in the NFL. We don't know that. The, the odds are that only two per year are going to make it past their rookie contract. It's really sick how many, how many quarterbacks, there's a big churn. And right now this year, it's really tough because guys like Sam Darnold, Mitch Trubisky, uh, they're all like, do I, am I going to have a job? Are you going to, I mean, I'm in the middle of a startup. We we're in like round five right now or round four and it's super flex. And quarterbacks are flying off the board because there's that uncertainty for later. So as far as the players, I'm just going to name running backs because to me, that's what I would be looking to draft. Now, guys from this year's class, this year's class is really the 2021 rookies, very weak at running back. Najee Harris stayed in school. He was a high Debbie pick from day one when he came in as a freshman. Alabama is a running back you. They churn out pretty talented. Not all of them hit. Bo Scarborough and B.J. Emmons are two examples of recent guys that did not do anything. But good bet on an Alabama back, even coming in as a freshman. So Najee Harris was a big Debbie name. Most people had him secured by his sophomore year. And uh, Travis Etienne really hit his second year in the Debbie circle. So he, he was taken in some deeper leagues as a freshman, but for the most part, people really started keying on him when he was a sophomore. But nobody, Javonta Williams, the number three running back in this year's class, he's one of those that fell through the cracks. Even though last year he had a, a, over a 1,000 yards, and then this year he backed it up with his second big season. So he should have been a Debbie name, but – was, was he even University on your radar? North Carolina. What's that? Was he even on your radar at all? No, I'm not really. I mean, even in, even in my deepest leagues, there were some more talented freshmen that it just kept, you know, pushing them out. Yeah. So it really depends on how many taxi squad spots you've got and all that. So for the 2022 class, I've been touting Isaiah Spiller from, pretty much early. Most people didn't like his freshman, even though he had a pretty good freshman year. They were like, well, he runs stiff. You know, even then he wasn't all that high. You could still get him sometimes to the middle of the second in a Debbie draft, which is great. Brees Hall has been uh, one of the top running backs in his class for a long time. Zimmer, Zamir White from Georgia had two ACL injuries, so he had a really slow start. He stayed in school. He put together a good year last year, one more good year, and I think he's going to be in that running back conversation for next year. And then there's a bunch of other we don't know yet. Trey Sanders from Alabama. He had a slow start because they're always loaded in that backfield, and then he just had a car accident. He's been rehabbing from a car accident. He looks good, but will he get the starting job? Probably going to split time. He needs one good year, though. An Alabama running back needs one good year, and then they're going to be catapulted. So he was a five-star, one of the top recruits. And if he puts together one good year next year, he's going to be high on the list in next year's rookie drafts. And then there's guys like 
2023, Bijan Robinson out of Texas, really good stud player. And, you know, he's perfect. He's, he's got a stake asset, six foot, 222 pounds. I'm grade a filet stake ass, but his freshman before his freshman year, he wasn't the top running back off the board. He was one of the top, but tank Bigsby was there. Kendall Milton from Georgia um, and tank Bigsby had a good freshman year as well. And then guys like Marshawn Lloyd out of South Carolina got injured, didn't get to play, but you should keep him on your radar. Kevin Harris is there. It's going to be a battle for 1A, 1B, but very talented guy that sometimes an injury derails your early progress. As a running back, you don't need to have that early breakout age like a wide receiver does. For, For a wide receiver, the breakout age is a big indicator of what you're going to do for NFL success. It doesn't matter as a running back. You have one good year, you can have a good NFL. Look at Alvin Kamara. He was an Alabama recruit. He decided he wasn't going to get playing time. He went to Tennessee, didn't get playing time there, sat behind Jalen Hurd, and ended up not really having very much production, but he had the size and the speed and the hands so he slipped through a lot of Debbie drafts. He slipped through a lot of, of uh, even rookie drafts. He was in the second round of a lot of rookie drafts. So a lot of people are like, well, if I don't trade up to get Bijan Robinson, I'm not going to get Bijan Robinson in my Debbie draft. You're right. You're probably right. But if you trade up, you're losing assets. And with Debbie, you want as many shots as you can because you just find the next Bijan Robinson. I like that. Because there is somebody out there who's incoming freshman. Look at that class. Watch their film. Look at them. You know, who's the next guy that's going to have a good freshman season? So I think we I think we got I think we got down to the uh, the strat uh, one of the main pieces of strategy around Devi, which is which is really taking the most shots you can, right? It's it's not really having a consolidated amount. I mean, I guess it's nice to have Trevor Lawrence. Don't get me wrong, but but Trevor Lawrence was once so he was once somebody that you had to take a chance on, and then he right. got more and more stable. And well, I, I think anybody who's listening to this is probably probably shocked that running backs have the highest hit rate coming out of you know out of Debbie drafts because that's just not what we see coming out of our rookie drafts or you know going to the NFL. It's, it's always the wide receivers and um, and stuff like that, and and running backs are expendable. So that's really interesting to me. First of all, and is definitely. <laughs> going to change a little bit how I look at these these uh these Debbie drafts going forward but well and the other thing is you you never draft for need and especially when it comes to Debbie you draft for talent and best player available and if that means you got to go to the next class instead of going for RB15 and and here's the other great thing as much as I love the the people that are out there doing rankings they're never right yeah you just don't know for three or four years. You feel excited. I just got Bijan Robinson. He could be charged with DUI and rape tomorrow. And I'm I'm not trying to jinx anybody. <laughs> but you're right. <laughs> no, you're absolutely right. <laughs> There's a lot of th- Journey Brown retired yeah. because of a heart, and he was a highly touted Debbie. Darius Giles. Debbie is very very risky. And yeah, I mean, uh, Demond Demos, the uh, big five-star stud wide receiver for Texas A&M who had very little in his freshman season. He gained 20 pounds this offseason. Everybody's like, oh, 
man, he's just got to look at Justin Shorter and uh, Brandon Eagles. I mean, the wide receiver is so tough because if they don't have the quarterback or the scheme or the coach, coaches just want to win. They don't care about developing you necessarily. But anyway, so Demon Demas got busted for marijuana today. And that could be the beginning of a Josh Gordon-esque type, you know, who knows? Eric Gilbert, mm-hmm. top tight end, one of the top. Oh, that one end. drives me crazy. And oh. now he's he transferred to Florida, but now he's transferring again. And they say it's because of his grades. So he may go Juco. He may fall off the face of the radar, but he could still resurface. All you need is three years outside of high school before you can apply to make it to the pros. With his talent, he may just, he may apply or he may just fall through the cracks and not even make it. So, but, but, sorry, before before we move on, you, you've you said a couple of times, like five-star recruit, four-star recruit. How much does that play into your evaluation of, of a player? Does it, is it really important? Because I, it's honestly not something I, I mean, I, we haven't been in Debbie that often. It's not something I've really focused on. Right. So when it comes to, quarterback it makes no difference there are in fact more three-star guys at the top of our fantasy football superflex. Patrick Mahomes was three-star at Texas Tech Russell Wilson three-star and uh, Devontae Adams was a three-star Mike Evans was a three-star uh, Kyler Murray was a five-star but he almost went and played baseball he was he was he had a baseball contract play shortstop and ended up playing football which was a surprise for his size um, Dak Prescott, three-star, Josh Allen, three-star, Justin Herbert, three-star. So for quarterbacks, it matters not. What it matters is what's between the ears, and that's the part that we can't see. You can watch all the film you want. You can look at the stats all you want. Whether they make it or don't has less to do with their mechanics and more to do with their opportunity at the right time. If they've got a horrible offensive line and they're running for their life their rookie season, like David Carr is a good example. They oh, yeah. ruined him. Yeah. Houston absolutely ruined David Carr. Sam Darnold is in that boat right now with the New York Jets. And he's a very good quarterback. And I think he does have what it takes between the ears. But it's what's between the ears and the opportunity at the right time. Patrick Mahomes got to sit a year behind Alex Smith almost a full season. That was perfect. Yeah. And I, I said that's what he needs is to sit. The Patriots just signed Cam Newton to a one-year deal. They're going to draft somebody. And whoever that somebody is, is going to be luckier than some of the guys that have to start right away because they're going to build the team around him, but they're also going to, he's going to have whoever that is a year to sit behind Cam Newton and learn and learn the complicated Patriots offense without any pressure to perform whatsoever. And we don't do that enough in the NFL anymore. People used to sit for a year or two. Look at Brett Favre, how long it took him to improve to get to where he got to. Josh Allen worked his tail off in the offseason to get to where he is. So with running backs, being a five-star is more important because that does tend to translate. If you're a five-star athlete at the running back position, your hit rate is higher then even wide receiver, even tight end is also right up there. Five-star tight ends rarely bust. Oh, that's good to know. They rarely bust. Um, but when it comes to quarterbacks, five-star quarterbacks 
rarely make it. No, I, I'm getting just avoid quarterbacks at all costs, like and and get them in your startup, trade for them. It, it doesn't seem like it's a it's a valuable thing to go for in your rookie or in your debut even, draft even, picks, whatever. Even in rookie drafts, rookie drafts and Debbie drafts, quarterback is tough. Zero out of twenty-two quarterbacks from 2009 to 2016 are starting for the team that drafted them in the NFL. And only five of them are starters right now. Yeah. And that's a first round, first round uh, picks. It just shows you the shelf life of them. Right. So a lot of people, they they draft a rookie uh, or whether it's a startup or in a rookie draft, they they draft a quarterback. I'm going to have him for 15 years, my whole dynasty career. No, you are. <laughs> There's a good possibility he won't make it three years. Yeah. That's the whole Trevor Lawrence bit. You'll have him for 15 I know. years. Yeah. I mean, every- but you don't know that. It's true. You have no idea. You really Look don't. Look at Josh Rosen. Josh Rosen was a big heavy. And he didn't even have a year. He's, he's already on his fourth team right now. He was another one of the ones that was running around for his life because he had no <laughs> offensive line. He had a terrible coaching staff. It's just, yeah, you're right. It, and you then the new know. coaching staff didn't even want anything to do with him. They're like, let him go. go. Yep. Awesome. Hey, Katie, so what is one of your favorite resources for success? Like any websites that you like to go to, uh, people you follow on Twitter, anything like that? Well, when I, when I first started out, uh, under the helmet, I found under the helmet and I really liked their philosophy. I liked what I saw and I knew just by reading the articles and listening to the podcast that they were a right fit for me. And I did listen to other people's podcasts and try to develop my own style and everything. And then, um, when I started getting into Debbie, there wasn't a whole lot of content back then, but Nick Whalen and the Debbie report I would buy a copy of that every year. The nice thing about it to, to me as a fantasy football, and I recommend any listener, it makes the game so much more fun. Take that Debbie report and learn about the people that are on it. Don't just look at one through 20 and say, these are the only ones that are any good. Because in college, number one, it's so hard to rank players. You've got the whole college landscape. And you're not really comparing them side by side. And so use that list of players to watch as much college film as you can. If you have to watch highlights, you have to watch highlights. But I personally, I record two games in every time slot during the college season, and I watch a third game. And that way I can go back and watch the game And maybe there's a player that I hadn't even really heard of. And then later in the season, they start to burst out. I can go back to earlier in the season and say, okay, where's that Minnesota tape? It's so much more valuable than just these little cutups that you can find on the internet, but you can still find some valuable stuff. The other thing that I look for when I'm looking at Debbie players, I want to look at an interview. I want to try to get to know what's inside their heart, what's inside their brain. And listening to them talk, their passion, what is important to them. I stayed at this school because I'm close to my mom who has cancer and I want to be able to help her out. That's a dedicated person or somebody that's gone through adversity. Deshaun Watson went through all kinds of adversity to get to where he is now. Somebody that's gone through adversity or somebody that has to overcome an injury like Trey Sanders, 
if he overcomes that injury, then that's adversity. And he's more than just the big guy that was a five-star guy that rolled through because he was bigger and stronger than everybody. Now he actually has to put in that work. And that work ethic does translate more than anything else into the NFL. If you, when it's your job and you're getting paid to do it and nobody cares, nobody's going to wake you up in the morning. You got to be your own motivator. Coaches don't motivate. You got to motivate yourself. And if you don't have that work ethic to get up, get to the gym, you know, eat the right foods, keep your weight where it should, then you're not going to make it because everybody's good. There's so many good players. And if it was so easy, then everybody would do it. But why do people fall away? Because work ethic. So take the list. And Debbie report was big. Nick, Nick Whalen, I used to write to him on Twitter and he would reply and it'd be, hey, this is really cool. I used to write to Chad on Under the Helmet. We'd email back and forth on trade things. And that's how I got started in podcasting was Chad said, hey, you know, she should write an article for our site. She's really sharp. I didn't know I could. So I wrote an article and he published it. And I was like, hey, cool. And then he was like, hey, you want to come on the podcast and be a guest? It's like, sure, Absolutely. And the rest is history. That's awesome. I love that about the fantasy community. It's just like they'll, they'll drag you right in there like, before you even know it. It's great. Um, no, so I, I love that you said that about the highlights and stuff, though, because one thing I, I've been getting a lot more into the past couple of years, but especially this year, is, is watching film as much as I can. Because especially on like, you know, when you play in Dynasty and the more you play a Debbie, you realize you're like, I want to know all of these guys before anybody else does. And it really helps watching them, but the highlights do not cut it. You, they just right. don't cut it. And I'll post this on, on the um, dynasty. We'll post it on the dynasty underdog account. And I'll, I'll tweet it out too. Um, but I found a resource. It's um it's somebody's like Patreon, but they do like all 22 um, yeah. film for, a, for like, you know, a, a really large portion of these guys. Um, and you can see they're going to keep having more. And it is so valuable to see them on the off plays on the on plays whatever it just really helps i mean it's it's time consuming but you know we've, we've spent a lot of time on this so. right so yeah so the newer resources now that i've been in the industry for a while uh brandon lejeune with the deep debbie dive uh he has a podcast he also has been putting out some all 22 cut-ups and uh trying to do more film study with people he's, he's got awesome. a really yeah. good thing going and then the debbie watch the people from debbie watch and Campus to Canton. That's another, it's the same group of guys uh, doing some stuff. So there's a lot of great Debbie podcasts out there. Uh, just pick some and listen to them. I really like the Debbie debate. That's another one I like to listen to. I don't listen to a ton of podcasts anymore, but I Hard. like, I do like <laughs> to listen to them. And if I'm going to be a guest on a podcast, I like, I didn't, I think I did. I listened to one of, one of your <laughs> podcast i try yeah, to listen to you don't have to i mean <laughs> it's so hard you know i it's it's so hard i think anybody understands there's so many and then once you get into making them or being on them it's like it's a whole next level thing right but it's so much fun i i love it and i just absolutely love watching film the the more that i can and like watching the senior bowl practices we had Chad and I didn't get to go to the senior bowl this year, but we did get the um, press passes to be able to watch the practices. And I like that almost as much because you can slow things down. You can look at it. They, they have every play from two or three different angles and you can watch all the different groups. Like 
when we're live at the practices, I'm watching wide receivers and Chad's over watching the running backs. Now we can both watch both and, and we can watch the tight ends and we can watch the route running. And um, that's why I will say this now, one of my avoids for this year's rookie draft is Kadarius Tony. Okay. Avoid okay. him at why? all. Why? Why? I need to, why? I need to hear why. He's going to be, he, there's buzz, first round NFL buzz around him. He's a fugazi. He's not the real, <laughs> he can't run routes. He's an athlete. Yes. He is an athlete, mm-hmm. but he's a late bloomer. I mean, he didn't, he didn't do anything till his last year, um, which is not a good sign for a wide receiver. Watching his senior bowl practices, he's not a good route runner. He does not sell his route. If you've got a defensive back that's shading you to the outside and you want to go to the outside, you've got a fake hard inside, keeping your balance, make him lose his balance and then cut outside or you're not going to get the separation. He tried every single time he tried to sell his route with one step and then speed blow by you. And against air, sure, that's going to work. But against the defensive backs that he's going to face in the NFL, that's not going to work. Now he was a one, he was a jet sweep and a, you know, pitch him the ball and, and get him out into space type of guy in college. He didn't, they, they didn't ask him to run routes. Can he get better at running routes? Sure. Because that's something you can practice your tail off over and over again. But in all the practices I've seen, he is not selling his routes. So I think, and he's, he's all right with the hands. And again, I, I just don't think that he's going to live up to that first round hype and he will be really pushed up into right now. He's going in round two to three of mock drafts and that's a good price sure. if yeah. you want to take the chance on him, right. but he's going to get to that back half of the first you watch by the, by the time that the rookie draft come around in a, non-super flex he'll be back into the first he'll be like a 111 112 201 price range and that's just too steep no chance i'm with you there that's just way too high for sure yeah i think this is yeah. perfect uh because tony's one of those guys that i've seen on tape and i i haven't watched a ton of it i didn't get to see him practice at the senior bowl like but he, he looks the part like he looks like he's an athlete he's he looks explosive and he you know from my not professional opinion i'm like this guy's pretty good on tape but what I've tried to get into a lot more this year is analytics, you know, getting through Peter Howard's database and stuff like that, looking at. Yeah. I like, he does really good work. You know, throwing out a big net, right. Instead of, I don't have time to watch all these people. Like I don't watch in season college ball. I watch college ball after the fact. So I try to take the numbers, which is a little easier for me to understand. And then there's no way manipulating the numbers. However, I want to, I could get Tony <laughs> it, up there where people are trying to take them analytically, right? The, the, the data is just not there. He's, it says everything it says to me is stay away. And, right. and if you're seeing that, you know, in his practice and in his film, then that for me, it's like, there's just no way I could draft him where probably he's going to go. So my question for you is what do you put more stock into analytics or tape, or is it just a perfect marriage for you? Okay. So I, myself am a film watcher but I do have my own analytics on the Debbie side as far as hit rates and things like that and Chad Parsons has his projection model and I I also follow Peter Howdy and uh, you know there's a bunch of other really good statistic guys 
mm-hmm. out there. Drew O for another one, and I'm not going to even try to butcher his last <laughs> we, name. We don't know. Bean, at it's like right. at FF Bean Counter or something. Yeah. There you go, Bean <laughs> Counter. Yeah. So I like to look at the statistics from the side of, like you said, is he worth? me going back to the film and watching what did i miss on this guy like there are some guys that go in in mock drafts and it's like why is he constantly going in the in the second round who is this guy i've got to watch him a little bit more uh or or whatever or i look at his profile and his profile is like he's undersized he's this he's that and and it's like okay like kenneth gainwell a lot of people really like kenneth gainwell and if you're one of those fine but he's a, he's going to be undersized. I will be very surprised if he weighs 195 pounds. I've heard maybe 191. That's undersized. And people are like, oh, well, he can just gain some weight. He can become a steak ass. Well, he started college at 185, and he's only gained six pounds in three years, four years, whatever. Do they not have a weight room at Memphis, or is he just a lazy guy that just <laughs> doesn't want to work? And all of a sudden, he's just going to have an epiphany and put on 20 pounds of good weight and still keep his speed. His spark score coming out of high school wasn't all that good. And I know people improve spark scores. Saquon Barkley is a perfect example. He put on 20 pounds of weight, really working, lifting between his freshman and uh, freshman year and sophomore year. But he also worked on his footwork and his agility and his speed, and he got faster. There are some guys that do get faster, even though they get bigger. But I don't think Kenny Gainwell's that kind. And I really honestly think when he has his pro day, he's probably a four or five. I don't think he's blazing fast. So if you're not blazing fast, yeah, he's, he's pretty good at catching the ball. Those guys are a dime a dozen. He's undersized and can catch the ball. What's there's that a, do for you for fantasy? He's, a lot not gonna be, he's not going to be a bell cow. He's not going to be the, the, the main guy that, that carries the ball. So, so it's interesting. So, it, it it does sound like you put a little bit more. Like it sounds like you let analytics be data points that lead you places, but you put more stock into the film at the end of the day. Is that is that probably, kind I of would accurate? Say that's probably yeah, that's probably about right. But I also use the analytics side to make sure that there's not guys that I didn't watch that I should be watching, and and vice versa. If I'm higher on a guy because of what I see and then the statistics just don't say it, then I myself will back down off that player. I'll, not completely, but enough where that could be the tiebreaker. So, for example, back in the day, Chad and I had this, I wouldn't even say fighter argument, but he was Corey Coleman and I was Laquan Treadwell. We're both wrong. <laughs> but I Great battle there. <laughs> right, but I, I liked the physical Laquan Treadwell, and I thought that sure. that would would uh, translate to the NFL. What I didn't like about Corey Coleman when I watched his Baylor film and Chad and I watched film together was the fact that he would take plays off. And as a coach, that drove me crazy. I don't care if you're a wide receiver, there's blocking downfield. There's something you can be doing. You don't just, and and plus your defensive back will know when you're not in the play because you're just standing there. You're not even trying to run a route and take them out of the play. He he would, if it wasn't coming to him, he would completely take the playoff and just stand there. And I said, that's, that's a huge tell. Like, I don't know if you guys play poker, but that's like saying, okay, I got Jack this hand. You might as well just, you know, 
go all in because I got nothing here. And and then Chad tried to rationalize it by saying, well, that's just the way the Baylor coaches are. They say that you can take the playoff. They don't want you to. It's like, if you're conditioned, <laughs> that's bullshit. Because if you're conditioned, you play football. You're out there, man. If you're a real wide receiver, you want to hit. You want to block for your running back. You want to you take that defensive back out of the picture. No, and that's something and that's so- very noticeable on film. When somebody wants to block and when somebody's just not, you know, taking plays off, it's, it's really noticeable. Yeah. So anyway, like I said, we were both ended up wrong. And I don't, I don't think that either one of us was more right than the other in that particular case. But he said, analytically, Corey Coleman was the better player than Laquan Treadwell. And I said, film wise, Laquan Treadwell was a better player than Corey Coleman. And they both busted. And that's the thing, wide receiver, wide receiver, there's a lot of talent. And even guys that you wouldn't think like lunch pail guys like Hunter Renfro. He was a freaking walk-on at Clemson. And look at him. He's he's doing all right. Now, is he your fantasy alpha? No, but can he be a sub? Like if you got to start three wide receivers and it's a bye week, can you put him in? Heck yeah. I love Renfro. When I watched, I remember watching his tape and like, it seemed like he caught everything. And then I saw him. He's like a Julian Edelman, just a lunch pail kind of guy that he's tough. You know, it's the heart. You can't measure that. And that's something you're right. Like, there, I, I mean, I think all of us on here really enjoy statistics. I mean, we want something that can, we want any predictive metric we can find, right, to help us win. But uh, there, there's sometimes, man, there's just something that you can't, you can't find anywhere else but on film. Like you're saying, you can see how hard they're working out there or whatever. And it just, it really makes a difference watching these guys play. It's well, really important. I mean, we used to, when you, I pre- podcast we were talking about I coached for 14 years and I don't care if it was baseball basketball or football there were guys that in practice were lions but they were lambs in a game and then there were guys that just came to practice and they did what they did and then at game time it was like a light switch man you could not (laughs) shut that guy off you could not stop him he was going to do whatever it took to win and do whatever it took to help the team. And that's the kind of stuff that we cannot see. We can, and that's why I do. I listen to coaches. I try to watch as many interviews, not just with the player, but the player coaches mm-hmm. and get as much of those inside as you can find on these guys. Love that. All right. One more last question all about you. Would you, would you like to explain your stink ass rakes? Okay. <laughs> You've mentioned them a couple of times. We got it. We got to get to it. I have. That's five into it. <laughs> that is strictly a running back measurement. And basically when I, and it started off with Debbie, but of course it, it goes with rookies as well, but a, a running back that has any chance of being a bell cow, he, he can't just be a hamburger, but he's got to have the, the butt and the thighs. Yeah, I know my hands are up here. <laughs> I, I'm part French, so I've, I got to do the image. But like guys that are already, when they come in and they're put together men as freshmen and they're 205 to 220 already, and they're already fast and they're already, they can catch the ball. But, you know, the steak ass is just one of the things that I look for. I don't want to... For example, if you're 165 pounds 
coming into college as a running back, you're not on my board. I don't, <laughs> I don't care if you're five star. I don't care what your name is. I don't care. Now, maybe if you put up 1500 yards as a freshman, I might start to care and look at you for as a sophomore, but very rarely do guys put on 60 pounds. There's a chart. Chad Parsons has it. I don't have it. Uh, but the expected amount of weight that a, a person could put on their frame realistically while still keeping their speed and athleticism and everything as well. But if you're starting below 200 pounds, like 190, 195 is about the bare minimum as a freshman. And then, you know, if, if you get to be 210 as a sophomore, that's, that's better. But um, so the like, range, the range is 205 to 220. That's the ideal is 220. But uh, yeah, I mean, if you're starting as a freshman at, at 195 to 200, you could realistically put on 15 to 20 pounds of good uh, productive muscle mass over the next three to four years. I mean, these, and you got to look at the frame too. Like some of these guys, like Kenny Gainwell, I'm going to pick on him again. He does not look like he could put 10 to 20 pounds on that frame. He's been at the same weight for three years. So people say, well, he can add, it's much easier to lose. Like uh, Ramondre Stevenson was 240 at Oklahoma. And he's I, I love that guy. He I love his size. At like 225. Now I still think that uh, even for a man, his size, he's got other things that are, you know, it's not just a steak ass that'll do it for you. That's just, that's just one part of it. But a guy like Tank Bigsby, He's a steak ass. A guy like Bijan Robinson, he's a steak ass. <laughs> and uh, if if you're uh, Javian Hawkins, now he started off at like 145 and ended up putting on like 35, 40 pounds. He's almost up to Kenny Gamewell. And he's just as fast. Like for me, I'd rather have Javian Hawkins two rounds later than Kenneth Gamewell. This year's running back class is going to be so bad <laughs> anyway <laughs> for sure <laughs> but a lot of it once you get outside of the top three a lot of it is role play you know which type of role are you going to play in the nfl you want a guy that's going to be able to break it you don't want somebody that's just an average joe that's a plotter i, I heard you yeah. on a rookie fever talking about chuba hubbard and uh chuba, yeah you were a little bit higher on him i think than most not higher on him but you know you weren't as low on him <laughs> as, right. as most i think a lot of people have given up on him and but even Depending him, you on, think he's a role player, right? What's that? Even him, you think he's going to be a role player in, in the league? Yes, but I think yeah. that the role that he has with the speed that he has, he can put up some fantasy production. You look at guys like that. Like, he can be a home run hitter. If you've got a, a guy that, that is a plotter and then, you know, he can catch and also run, I think he will – be able to be fantasy relevant now if he goes in round five or round six i'm uninterested if he goes in round two or round three or round four i'm interested if he and so for right now i've got him anywhere from middle of second to middle of early third in a lot of the drafts but the only and landing spot doesn't matter to me but the draft capital does so if he goes round two, three, or four, then I'm still him in the second round pretty much anywhere. I'm fine. Love that. But if he goes 
round five, six, or seven, he's dead to me. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So I just want to say you're right. You know the the name of this episode is going to be the steak ass episode. Oh, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. All right. I, uh, what about you, Billy? You have anything else you want to ask her before we move on? No, no. I mean, we've gotten into a lot of the stuff I wanted to talk about. I'm I'm happy. I'm a happy camper right now. It's just been organically happening. So <laughs> we're good. Love this. That's one of my favorite words, you know. I know. I like that you talk about uh I get my running backs organically. I don't. I don't like to pay up for running backs. If you miss them in a rookie draft, you miss them. Just admit it and move on. There's going to be another crop next year, but you don't have to pay up for James Robinson. You missed him. If you didn't get him either on the waiver wire or whatever, I made that mistake. <laughs> I mean, it's so tenuous. It, it it can slip through your fingers. And some of these guys, like I remember when Monty Ball. And Giovanni Bernard were both first round startup picks. And it wasn't that long ago. It was 2015. Monty Ball is a great throwback, man. That one's, that's a killer one. He was just, and, and uh, even uh, James Randall, he was pushed up in early because he was starting for the Dallas Cowboys. And that was right before they drafted Ezekiel Elliott. I was able to trade him in season to a team that was contending for their rookie first which I don't remember who it ended up being, but the whole point is there are guys that are fake and their production is real, but they're, you know, they're not going to be that mainstay. Right. They're flashing the pan. Right. They're flashing the pan. You've got to try to figure out who they are. I'd rather, I'd rather miss by selling early on a guy than, to buy high on a guy that then disappears into nothing. Yeah, I think Randall ended up getting replaced that year by Alfred Morris because Randall got into some like uh, police trouble or lingerie. something like that, right? Wasn't he yeah. stealing lingerie? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, dude, you can buy some. Why are you stealing that shit? Yeah. <laughs> like, you, you just go to the panty store and get you some lace. Yeah, that's, Whatever, that's what it was. Yeah. You know, the thong. Whatever it is that turns you on, dude, yeah. just. Go buy it. You don't have to be stealing that. <laughs> awesome. All right, let's get into some news and nonsense. Like, uh, it's been hard for me. I've been at work, but uh, obviously free agency, the quote-unquote legal tampering period started yesterday, and I've been trying to keep track and obviously looking at this very tiny list. I haven't kept track of everything, but let's talk about it. What are some... What are some Why don't you just go to the Patriots website? Yeah, and see. Jesus. So they've, they've basically taken all of them. No, I mean, I think Belichick just put his middle fingers up to the league and said, <laughs> "Fuck everybody." Yeah, I mean, they scooped up all, all the meaningless receivers and then all of the top tier tight ends. All the tight ends. <laughs> well, it, it's funny. I'm a Arkansas Razorback fan, so to see Hunter Henry and I, I told my boyfriend, I said, "You watch." I said, "The Patriots are really interested in Hunter Henry." I saw Bill Belichick after a game talk to Hunter Henry, put his arm around him. I was like dude, there's a connection there. And I know that Bill Belichick would love to have him. Hunter Henry has that, that good hard nose work ethic. I love the guy. I wish he could stay healthy. I really do. But I think that's a great fit. I'm very excited. I, I called it. Uh, my boyfriend actually said, Hey, you were right. I was like, Hey, cool. I got a, I got a, Hey, you were right. <laughs> no, I, love, I love the Hunter Henry signing. It's the Johnny Smith signing. That's more head scratching to me. Well, and again, they just want talented players. Johnu Smith is a pretty good blocker, and he can fit in that offense. I think that 
they realize that Cam Newton can't throw the ball downfield like he used to. I don't know that he ever really could. I mean, he was a pretty good thrower, but his, his running is still there. And they're going to focus on really good defense, really good running game, and the tight ends. And then Nelson Aguilar, I think, will be hopefully a good fit. It's going to depend on how much mentally he can get into the playbook. Um, so we'll see. How, how do but, we feel? I mean, this is kind of, I guess, like a secondary one, but like, how do we feel about Kendrick Bourne? And I, I guess more so they, they spent a good bit of money on both of these guys. I think it was like 15 million for him, but I'm thinking about what happens to Nikhil Harry and Jacoby Myers and the guys they already have. Do they, are, are these, do they bring in guys to be like the, second third or is nelson aguilar now the one i think myers is safe it's just it's more um nikhil harry than anything in my opinion right and i think that harry they're looking to trade him right now and i think that that that's a very strong possibility between now and the draft they'll make a move and nikhil harry won't be a patriot I just want to say I spent like the 105 on Nikhil Harry in a league. I know. I, I'm I, really I, upset. And I've been talking to Myers since that draft. Yeah. So. The thing is, if uh, Harry gets the right fit, though, that could be the best thing in the whole world for him. It just wasn't the right fit for him. I agree with and that. He's not a huge separator, but you still, I mean, for him, I don't know if it was the playbook. I don't know if it was the discipline that if you don't gel, you don't gel. I mean, there's been a lot of talented guys that have busted. He could very well end up a complete bust, but it happens every year. It does. I think even uh, Peter Howard had him ranked as one of his top wide receivers, you know, with the, the, the analytics, right? You know, his film was pretty yeah. good too. So Yeah. The analytics loved Nikhil yep. Harry and I, I loved him from a film side as well. I, I thought that, you know, when the two marry each other, that film and the analytics, that's the best of both worlds. It still doesn't mean it's 100%. I've never found a, anything that is the golden ticket, 100%. Of course not, yeah. this, is what you, this is what you have to have when it comes to this or, or whatever. And it's so many people get so definitive. Mm -hmm. And it's like, really, how do you know that? That's just hearsay. I that's the thing I can't stand in the community sometimes, especially on Twitter, is the the so certain right. statements the and everything. I'm always willing to give to the other side and be like, well, look, like I, you know, here's this part of it, but this is where I'm coming from and what I see. Cause like you can't, you cannot accurately like who who nobody thought Aaron Jones was gonna resign with the Packers. Seriously, nobody was saying no, that. And I know. And That's not their is. style. That really came out of left field. But, right. you know, and a lot of people, I had somebody ask me, well, there goes my A.J. Dillon value. I was like, let me ask you a question. You just won the league. Yes, I did. What draft pick did you use to get A.J. Dillon? He says, late second. Okay, so you have a starting running back. He's going to be 1B to Jones's 1A, but he's going to be a starting running back who you've seen is capable of X, Y, Z number of carries. And he's a touchdown monster at the goal line. And he can catch despite what everybody says. He's not as good as Aaron Jones, but he can still catch the freaking football. Jamal Williams had 114 attempts last year. Plus he had 31 receptions. So let's just say that AJ Dillon gets that. He's going to be fantasy relevant 
And if Aaron Jones gets hurt, which happens, let's face it, he's been banged up. It's happened before. He's proven to where he can be the the bulk of of the load if he has to be. So you've got yourself a starting running back for a late second round pick. You're the champion of the league. No, you didn't sell him in a window, but the price you were going to sell him for wasn't that much of a profit in a Debbie depleted draft. Like sometimes you got to just keep your head instead of getting rookie fever and throwing away the old, you know, that hasn't been, or hasn't even gotten a chance yet. Just enjoy it. You need guys like that on your roster in fantasy. Well, something you said um, is resonating with me with, with this one that, you know, the running back hit rates and that a hit is, this is defined as a hit. AJ Dillon is hit. Like, you, you know, you should be happy with what you have considering what it could have been first of all. And I guess I got to say, AJ Dillon is clearly a steak ass, right? Like, yeah. Oh yeah. This, He's this is a guy you're high on. I mean, you seem so high on him that I'm looking and I go and type it in I'm like 60247. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's definitely well put together on the lower half for sure. But you know, the other thing is I saw people and I, I, I don't like to get into Twitter battles. I avoid. And, and if I'm drunk and I'm in the mood to just fight, I put my, I, I even put my phone in the other room so that I can't, drunk text or twitter somebody <laughs> so i haven't i haven't hey, dropped any sorry I, I can't help myself I any twitter bombs on anybody but i've i felt like it you know over the last couple of weeks everybody's like now's the window now is the window to sell aj dylan so if i had i wish i had aj dylan in shares i'd i'd trade him so i would ask what would you trade him for oh like the 112 it's like Dude, you bought him, if you bought him last year, you bought him from the 201 to the 207 range. So you're going to make one pick. What are you going to get at 112 this year that you weren't going to get at 112 or in that range last yeah. year? Well, I'll get a guy like Devonta Smith or, you know, this, or yeah, well, last year you could have got T Higgins or you could have got Justin Jefferson or you could have got Michael Pittman, or you could have got a little bit later, Chase Claypool. So those were the conversations you were having with yourself. Really, you're saying that you will accept a push. Yeah. Because you're not going to be making anything. Why not wait? Maybe they do sign, and maybe you lose your window to sell A.J. Dillon, but you're not selling him high. The best offer I ever got was a 111, and, and it's like, no, I, I bought him in the range of the 201, 202. So the 111 to me, this year's draft isn't that much more special than where I bought AJ Dillon. I'd rather wait and see. I believe in the talent and cream rises to the top. And even with Aaron Jones there, I think he's going to have some fantasy value, not as much as if clearly he had the starting job, but it was a risk I was willing to take. And anytime that Jones is injured, you got an RB1. Score-wise. Absolutely. Yeah, I, it's actually you. The reason why I have an A.J. Dillon share was I was listening to Rookie Fever. Must have been back in October or something. And, you know, they're going through that game, like, uh, who's going to crack the top 12? Who hasn't cracked the top 12 yet? And you had mentioned A.J. Dillon. I don't remember all the specifics, but, like, I got done doing my run. I was like, I need to find a way to get A.J. Dillon. And this was after a week where Andy Isabella actually had, like, a week out of nowhere. And I was able to trade Andy Isabella straight up for A.J. Dillon. So, that's a win. You know, that's a win. so with this news, there's no way I was going to try to sell him to begin with. I'm like, I already have 
I already have the profit. Like, I already did the thing, right? He's already right. hit for me. So, and I, I gotta say thank you. Right. I gotta say thank you for that in, in the first place. Cause yeah, you were the one that mentioned it to me. I was like, all right, let's, let's go. You're welcome. <laughs> and, and a lot of these people, you're welcome. And a, a lot of the people that were buying him this off season with the expectation that he was going to get the starting role. I heard that he went in the fifth round of a startup draft. I would never advocate for that. I got him in the 10th round or the 11th round of a startup draft not too long ago, which was in that rookie 201, 202 valuation range because rookie picks were in that draft also. So I didn't spend any more in the startup draft than I did last year in the rookie draft. But if you were, if you were trying to find and get him in the fifth round, that's just too expensive. That's, those are the people that, that lose the money. It's like buying Bitcoin at 98 when, <laughs> you know, when you could have had it at, at uh, 40 yeah, and, and then all of a sudden the market falls out and he's worth 40. Yeah, yeah. It's like, okay, so I didn't lose anything. I didn't make anything, but I still have a damn good running back on my team. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good place to be in. Yep. Love that. All right. Uh, next thing here, Breeze officially retired. I know that we saw some videos of him like a week ago where he was like working out and stuff We're like, Oh shit, is he coming back or not? But apparently he's not coming back. They gave uh, no. Taysom Hill a fake big contract. And then, Oh my, oh my God, that's the fakest contract. <laughs> right? It's I've like all avoidable years, but it's like worth like what? 140 or something. And then four years, 140 million, nothing's guaranteed. Like it's a joke. So who do you guys think is going to be the starting quarterback from week one? Is it going to be Jameis or is it going to be Taysom? Or do do you care? <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're eating W's. W's so it's W's. <laughs> I think it's going to be Jameis Winston as the quarterback there. Uh, they liked him. They said they liked him. Um, he could have signed somewhere else. Chicago was looking at him. Uh, he ended up deciding to stay, and I think that the reason he did is because they pretty much told him he's going to be the the guy. I, I agree. And my Alvin Kamara shares are begging that to be true. <laughs> yeah, no uh, doubt. Yeah, when Taysom Hill was in there as quarterback, Kamara was not getting any of that extra, no, extra he, love. He was wasn't. He? he wasn't getting enough no. love. I love my, I love my AK. No, and I, I think I think Winston starts too. I, they they talk a lot about last year that he didn't have any time really to to learn the playbook or do any of that. So they kind of you know when Breeze got injured, they just went with. Taysom Hill, who has been there for a while. So I think that was a lot of what happened last year. I'd, I'd really be shocked if they <laughs> if they start Taysom Hill at, at quarterback this year. Well, there's two things that I think that this offseason, this past season, really helped Jameis Winston. Number one, he had the LASIK surgery. But number two, he had the ability, like he went, he was a he was playing baseball and football at FSU. And the baseball throwing motion is so different from a football throwing motion. And I think that he, with the right coaching, I think he spent some time working on his mechanics. You don't work on your mechanics of your, of your golf swing when you've got a tournament that next weekend. You wait until the offseason. His whole season last year was an offseason. And muscle memory, it takes a lot of practice to get over a bad habit and create muscle memory because as, as someone who spent a lot of time coaching, not at that level, but any level it's the same thing they say that practice makes perfect practice makes permanent 
If you're practicing bad habits, you're just going to get better at doing the wrong thing. And you can get away with it when you're younger, when you're throwing the ball, you know, from shortstop across a, a 60 foot base path diamond instead of a 90 foot base path. But once you start getting back, you know, it, it's, it doesn't scale. So it's the same thing with throwing a football. He had some mechanical issues and he had the vision issues and both got, hopefully both got corrected. They say that they really liked him. And I think that part of the reason they had Taysom Hill come in at the end of the season was so that they could resign him kind of on the down low so that they didn't showcase how much he really has improved. That's what I'm hoping. That's my story. And I'm sticking to it. (laughs) Well, I mean, oh, I love that. <laughs> me and Billy were up at FSU when, when, when James was up there for the championship runs and everything. And I know he had a LASIK procedure back then. So this has to be his second one at least. Yeah. So maybe they were correcting what they didn't get the first time, yeah. which happens. I mean, LASIK surgery is not a forever correction. It, no, it, it's not. Sometimes it's 10 years or whatever. So that's about right. Yeah. yeah and, and who knows what hack job did it up in Tallahassee. Jeez. <laughs> But I mean, I don't know if you remember, I think it was his freshman year. He was squinting so bad. <laughs> he comes back in sophomore year, eyes are wide open. He's like, everybody's like, what's going on here? See, inside info that we can all use. All right, we talked about the tight ends to the Patriots. So let's skip over here. So Corey Davis, it's like a, I know Josh is a Davis truther. I'm a Davis truther. Um, I, I kind of like the signing spot. So he ended up with the Jets, uh, Adam Gaseless Jets. I was going to say, <laughs> I, I, I love the fact that it's without Adam Gase there. If Adam Gase was there, my hopes would be dropping. I'd be trying to sell, but now I'm sticking to my Corey Davis truth and hoping he breaks out. I like Corey Davis a lot, and I think it's a good landing spot. It'll be interesting to see what they do at quarterback. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I hope they stick with Darnold. I think he's decent, but – I'm not sure that's going to be the case if they're going to Supposedly give him a chance. Supposedly Seattle's interested in him. I was going to say Seattle, Pete Carroll is interested. So who knows? That's weird. <laughs> There's going to be still. Yeah. Uh, let Russell Wilson be sent over there. Yeah. Let, let Russell Wilson be sent over there and Corey Davis's value to the moon. <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> now, I think all around it's pretty good. Um, I, I don't think they'll probably stick with Darnold, although I know we, we all have like a real soft spot for him because like Katie was saying earlier, like, I think he does have it in between his ears. Like, I think he's smart. I just think he's had a terrible start to his – anybody who had to end up in a situation that he had to start in, like, it's really hard to overcome. So, um, but either way, with the whole uh, Mims, Crowder, Corey Davis, I kind of like – I kind of like the Jets going through right now. They're kind of a sneaky offense that I think I kind of want to invest in just a little bit, so. Yeah, John Ross to the Giants. You can just cross that one off. That's <laughs> yeah. I agree. That's just that's just we just had to mention it. We don't have to go into it. We just had to mention it. Yeah. Well, mention. Yeah, but did you know he runs like I, a four-two? Not... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course. He runs a four-two. That came out of left field to me. I got the notification and I was like, oh, he was a free agent. Shit, okay. <laughs> now, what do you mean? All the dynasty uh he, he was like a he was a Twitter like darling for so long i mean everybody was waiting for him to go somewhere and but i don't think this is a this is going to do it same with malcolm brown josh just because it's the dolphins i i don't think that's gonna it's gonna do much for us that's another one that took me out of left field there but i mean hey suppose he's a good locker room presence so we get knowledge we're good i think the best thing about malcolm brown uh being anywhere 
besides LA is that now for sure it's just going to be Acres and Henderson and Acres is still better, but at least we don't have that third extra guy kind of muddying things up over there. So, well, it is Sean McVay. You never know who they're going to bring in. I mean, let Fournette end up there somehow. That's true. <laughs> I mean, Malcolm Brown is a lunch pail type guy. He's going to be a good veteran presence for if they draft a rookie or uh, whatever they end up doing. So that's just good depth. Yep. So the one thing I really wanted to ask you was your thoughts on James Robinson being an undrafted free agent. What, how do you feel about him? Do you, are, is he one of those guys that, what's the question? Is he one of those guys that you kind of just want to move on from because he does still have some value? Are you worried about, I mean, you're, you're right. You can just ask her what her stake ass rank is. Yeah. Does does James Robinson have a stake ass? Yes, he does. (laughs) Uh, But at this point, it doesn't matter. He's shown you what he can do on the field. And they just signed Carlos Hyde. He's a Jag. You know, I know he's now a Jax, but he's a Jag. (laughs) And at this point, like he's not, he's a, he's a shell of what he was. And he was a big hot item way back when he was a rookie, uh, 2014, I believe. Uh, But still, I think that it will help. James Robinson. And I think it's just nothing more than depth. I don't think it's going to eat into his carries. I don't think it's going to take away from his production. I think it's a good sign that they believe in, in Robinson. And here's the way I look at it for, as a dynasty owner. I got him for blind bid waiver bucks. I had him in one of my really, really deep Debbie league rookie drafts because he Chad Parsons, he in his projection model, he he said this guy could be like a really late round. So I, I got him in a in a late round Debbie depleted, seriously Debbie depleted draft. And we hung on to him and it's a best ball during the season. So it was, hey, no, yeah, no worries. And then he started taking off and it's like we try to shop him around. Nobody wanted to buy. And it's like, okay, then we'll just keep him and he'll keep putting up points and we'll have him next year. And when the magic does run off, rub off or, or die or whatever, you didn't pay a whole lot and you got however many years of production. So you can look at it both ways. Well, I missed my window to sell. However, if nobody's going to buy, you're not going to give them away. You don't want your opponent to have this dude that's going to be, you know, Aaron, Arian Foster for the next five years or whatever. So if you can't find a decent price to exit for, keep them. Keep the fantasy points to yourself. Don't give them to a competitor just because you feel like, oh, everybody's saying sell, sell, sell. You got him for basically nothing. You got him for nothing, and he turned into gold. Let it just keep riding that storm. See, I like that philosophy. Like, like, well, your philosophy is is basically like you don't. You're not just going to trade to trade. You're going to trade for value. If you're going to get the the right value back, then you're willing to make make that move. But otherwise, you're going to hold the and, and keep the production and ride out the just I ride into most, the dusk. <laughs> I think most of my competitors that that play in leagues against me, they will admit and say, Katie does not trade just to trade. There are some people out there that they just love to trade and they can't help themselves. They're going to tinker. They're going to trade. They're going to do. I will put out offers and I do love to trade, but I'm not going to trade just to trade. I I will trade for value and to try to, you know, if I've got a plethora of running backs and I need something else, I'm going to draft for talent 
and I'm going to trade for need. Really quick, guess who was Carlos Hyde's college coach for two years? Urban Myers. Yes, ma'am. And now they're reunited, and yeah. oh, it feels so good. <laughs> That's hilarious. This is <laughs> this is <laughs> signed Mike Weber too. <laughs> this is just leading into Josh's conspiracy. The, oh, Curtis Samuel is a good one. Urban Meyer too. That's I, a good one, though. That actually it could be legit. But Josh just wants to say that Urban Myers may take uh, Justin Fields instead of Trevor Lawrence. That's I, what. I, <laughs> Urban Meyer is crazy, and a, and I can't even tell you all my opinions about him, but he's not that crazy. He will not do that. He's going to take Trevor Lawrence. He's going to wish that he had Trevor Lawrence on his college team, and he never could, so he's finally going to get his fingers on Make what real right. talent is. <laughs> I love it. Love that. <laughs> all right, last and final question okay. I have for you, because I really enjoy listening to you. Uh, you're one of those voices. As I said on Twitter, like, you know, sometimes when you read someone's tweet, you kind of read it in their voice. And like, whenever I read one of your tweets, like I hear you speak and uh, you're just really good on podcasts, very polished. Uh, I'm kissing your ass here, but yeah, you're really good. And I really appreciate that. So, but do you have any tips for us for podcast longevity and success? All I can say is don't listen to the haters and don't listen to the people that love you. Just kind of find that, that middle ground. There's, going to be feedback both high and low but don't let the don't let the really good stuff make you feel like you've got gold coming out of your ears and don't let the 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 haters detract from what you're doing keep doing you stay real people like real and from what i can see from what i hear from you guys already you guys are that and and it just takes time you guys have chemistry but keep having guests that you like and can talk to mm -hmm. but just keep on doing you and be real the real comes through yeah we, we appreciate we, thank that you. appreciate yeah that. really we do it uh yeah because i think we just try to come on here and and our other podcasts and just like have a good time and and yeah and that's the other thing if it's not fun why do it so it's got to be fun yeah, exactly. And yeah. having, honestly, having guests on like you and I mean, we've had so many great guests, like it's, it really helps. And it's, it's awesome learning, learning from people like you, because we, we listen, like your eye. I mean, we've been, I've been listening to you too. And like, I, I listen to Rookie Fever. I've listened to the UT, uh, the UTH pod, like so many, and it's, it's helped so much. So yeah. Well, we here, here's a, here's a funny story. So the way that I got on podcasting to begin with, I was an under the helmet subscriber and I would write to Chad and follow him on Twitter. I didn't even have a Twitter account really until fantasy football. And then I started asking him and Doug questions and they would answer me and that they took time to answer me was really cool. And so we would talk a little bit back and forth. And then he mentioned my name on the podcast as one of his new favorite listeners and that I seem like I know a lot about football that I should write an article. So then I started writing an article or two and then more and more. And then I started becoming a guest and, and that was really cool. But when we first went to the senior bowl, Chad Parsons, myself, Jordan McNamara was there and uh, we had a, a bed and breakfast down in Mobile, small little kitchenette. I love to cook and I love to take care of the guys. So I cooked the entire weekend. But the cool thing was we went out to some barbecue joint where it was like the hot spot in town. And I got to meet Matt Waldman 
from football guys. Football guys was one of the early podcasts that I used to listen to. So I would listen to under the helmet podcasts with Chad and Doug, and I would listen to the football guys podcast. Matt Waldman has a great voice for podcasting. And so we're sitting there having barbecue and I'm just soaking the whole thing in. And finally I was like, Matt, I got to tell you, you've got the greatest voice to fall asleep to. <laughs> I love to listen to football guys as I'm falling asleep because it's just such a perfect tone. <laughs> and he loved it. And I said that that's same thing with Chad. Like you two are my two favorite people to fall asleep listening to. How, how amazing that you end up like on the podcast and interacting with them like regularly like that. That's just, and oh, it's just crazy to meet Matt Waldman like that. Like that's yeah. what a great story. <laughs> He's an excellent dude. Oh, I can imagine. These are people who I, I really would love to get, you know, in touch with. I hope we can have them on our pod and stuff like that. Like people like that, that's who we're always trying to get in touch with. So, And Aaron, and Aaron Foster, supposedly. So, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I had a couple too many beers one night, and uh, I was going to try to talk, have him talk to me about uh, his thoughts on James Robinson because they're both undrafted. So I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to send a DM to him. And I did. The beauty yeah, of Twitter, responded, right? But, this yeah. is the beauty of Twitter. We, we love it. Yeah. During COVID, during COVID, where everybody's checking their DMs. Connect anybody. <laughs> yeah. Maybe we'll have Arian Foster. Who knows? But I do try. I do try to answer everybody um, on Twitter. If, if any of your listeners want to follow me, I'm at ff underscore scholar three ninety nine. If I don't follow you and you've got a question, rather than ask it out in public, just say, "Hey, can you follow me?" And I'll DM. I'll I'll answer. I've answered every uh, direct message and even some that are just uh, on Twitter. I'll either answer it there. Most of the time I'll say, hey, I'm going to send you a private message, something like that. It's just much easier because a lot of times your league mates are also looking and you don't want to talk trades in front of the whole world and let everybody know what you're thinking of. I love that. That's a great point. No, it, it really is. And and no, I encourage anybody to follow, to follow Katie and, and yeah, you can always hit, hit us up too. I mean, we're, we're definitely always willing to help anybody out for sure. All right. Is there anything else you guys want to talk about while we have her? No, no I mean, good, man. Yeah. gardening, survivor, amazing race. <laughs> What's your boy? <laughs> which, All right. which was your favorite season of survivor? You brought it up. So. All right. Uh, survivor Marquesas, is the one where Boston Rob was first on with Kathy O'Brien from Vermont. The only Vermont uh, person that's ever been on the show. <laughs> um so yeah hey getting that exclusive here in dynasty underdogs you know that's funny uh whenever i do watch one of those like uh uh contestant shows if, it's, if there's somebody that's like from a location where i've lived or do live i always have to report <laughs> right? of course yeah. Let's go on. yeah hometown I've, hero i've i've met and partied with over 100 people that have been on survivor and it's because of survivor that i got into fantasy wow. football no shit Really? That is crazy. How'd that happen? I got to know. <laughs> Down in uh, Cocoa Beach, Florida, we would have a charity event every year and you could pay to be there for the weekend to attend the parties, meet the survivors, get autographs, talk with them. And then after the first couple of years, I started to volunteer and I was the one that would pick them up at the airport, bring them to their uh, place and so through the years, I got to play in the golf tournament. And then the guy that ran and hosted the whole thing, I got to be really good friends with him. 
And after, in 2012, after the event was over, which is usually in August, he sent me an email. He goes, I've got 11 people for this fantasy football league and I just need one more. And Billy from Survivor um, Cook Islands, the one that, that was like the bang your head type guy, he was in, he was in the league and uh, several other from Survivor and also uh, the amazing race, Jordan Pius, that he and his brother had won amazing race. He was in that league. So the first year I had three days to get ready. I was like, yeah, I love sports. I'll, I'll figure it out. I, I looked up uh, ESPN, Matthew Berry, the draft day manifesto, and I read it from front to back and forward and back. I drafted my team. I had uh, Matt Stafford. I took him in round one because Matthew Berry said, you got to get a quarterback in round one. <laughs> Matthew Barry. Matthew Barry. Like, oh, man. And I've met Matthew Barry and I've talked to him and I told him I was like, the worst ever. So I got Matt Stafford in round one. I got Jamal Charles in round two and Steven Jackson in round three. Ooh. My best wide receiver was Pierre Garcon that year. Oh. I mean, I had a lousy, lousy, lousy team. But I learned so much from it and I wasn't deterred by the fact that my team was so bad. But I ended up uh, the next year doing a lot of mock drafts and just learning and staying away from ESPN's advice. <laughs> Which I still do to this day. Yeah. 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 I, I love, love Matthew Barry, though. I do. He's a great entertainer and he's, he's a really nice guy. He's down to earth. He's a really very, very, and he loves the dynasty community. He's been even guest on other people's podcasts oh, on TK mode and on, and all, all those people he's been, he's been going and doing the, uh, the runarounds with the, with, I guess the uh, mid tier of the community. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. And, not, and then of course, the one time that I did meet him, I've met him twice now, but the, the first time I met him, he was standing there answering questions to other people. And they were like, are there any rookie running backs that you would say to pick up in your uh, draft and he goes no not really and I was standing next to him and I couldn't help I was like pick up Nick Chubb <laughs> I, I was like by mid-season Nick Chubb will be the guy that will win you your league you got to pick up Nick Chubb late 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 because nobody will really even care about him and especially if they listen to Matt Berry and his advice they would never even pick him up and I was <laughs> like but but pick him up and that was that was the year that Carlos Hyde was in front of him and he ended up you know, getting Carlos Hyde got traded by mid-season and Nick Chubb took over that role and that was it. So I didn't mean to show him up, but I kind of, I, that was one of <laughs> my that. things. I, I wasn't going to just stand there and not say it. It's like, you got to get Nick Chubb. Hell yeah. I, I love how we just got the, the Katie Flower like fantasy origin story. That was great. Like, <laughs> awesome. Oh my God. Thank you again. Seriously. Thank you again for coming on. We had such a, yes. had a blast. I had a blast too. Thank you guys very, very much. Glad to hear that. Thank you again to the one and only Katie Flowers. Make sure you give her a follow at FF underscore Skylar 399. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at Dynasty Underdog at Just Uriah FF at any given pod, at Willie Beaming DFF, and at Josh Goldberg AGP.